You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, there were the Mets this past weekend officially eliminating themselves from playoff contention and guaranteeing another losing season. Their 10th in the last 13 years. They dropped, or actually plummeted, to 73-82 and 82 after a fifth straight loss, 13 out of 16. So, anytime the team podcaster has to use the phrase plummeting, we quickly pivot to talk about something else. How would you like to hear two interviews with two cool right-handed relievers? Get to know them a little better. Well, stay tuned, Crime Stoppers. Have we got a podcast for you. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Mets and Marlins will play two tonight, but we're doing full-on interview theater on the podcast today. Josh Lewin with you. Thanks so much for joining. I say we jump right in. Right-handed relievers that you need to know more intimately. And we all know Jiris Familia because he's been around forever. Kind of the same with Robert Gazelman. And we all know that the lefty Aaron Loop loves his post-game bush light and has an ERA of 0.97. But those middle relieving righties, Seth Lugo, ERA of 3.43. Trevor May, ERA of 3.62. That is not spam on a cracker. The average big league ERA is around 4.4 this year. So those are B to B plus numbers. One of these two guys wanted to be an NFL punter. One of them wants to develop his own cryptocurrency. I say, let's get to know him. A departure from the usual podcast and away. We go. We're talking to Seth Lugo uh, first about fatherhood, which is like the coolest thing ever. Because last time I saw you, I think you were just getting ready to enter that journey. And now uh, James is 18 months, I believe. 17 so, months. 17 months. So, so tell me about him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a wild little boy. Um, <laughs> you know, we can't hardly keep up with him. Uh, you know, as soon as he hit a year old, he took off sprinting. He didn't walk or anything like that. He was on the move as fast as he could go. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's real happy all the time. But, okay. you know, he's a like father uh, like son. That's good. <laughs> he's, he's tough to keep up with, though. You got to. You gotta uh, have your running shoes on when you're hanging out with him. Does he recognize Daddy yet in uniform, or, or do we not really have that going yet? Well, he recognizes the uniform. Okay. Uh, he's come to a few games, and you know we've taken pictures of my uniform. But uh, I don't know if he knows it's specifically me. He sees a Met on the field, and he starts clapping and saying "Dad, Dad." So <laughs> right. Amanda said that uh, he's done that for other players, not just myself, but only in Mets uniform. So he knows the team. <laughs> Object permanence. He'll get there on that one, I'm sure too. All those things that you, you have to be like reading about. I'm sure. I mean. Uh, uh, both you guys as parents, right? I mean, it's a whole new world. You have to learn, I guess, how they're learning, right? And and uh, kind of go with the flow, go with the, their program. Yeah, um, you know, we're constantly looking stuff up to make sure he's on the right track <laughs> or getting the right um, stimu- stimulations that he right, needs. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's been fun, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a full-time job outside of work. How much support do you get from... The grandparents, does that help or your folks or her folks able to at least pitch in a little bit? Yeah, um, especially through the off-seasons and last year during the shutdown, you know, they were around. But um, my dad, you know, he lives, lives in Florida, so all spring training long, they would come over. Oh, and my stepmom, they'd come down and help. And um, 
they're going to come actually to New York, uh, the next couple homestands, and uh, help us out a little bit, get, get us through September. <laughs> One thing I always admired about you, Seth, among many, when we were working together years ago, is how quickly you acclimated to New York. And I know it's not a whole different planet, Louisiana, but it's different. So how much of New York do you think you carry with you right now, even when you go home? I would say it's a whole different planet. <laughs> I didn't want to be rude. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's different. But, uh, you know, I've learned uh, over the years to, uh, you know, shut out all the stuff that's out of your control. And, right. you know, there's, you know, millions of people, which I think uh, New York City doubles Louisiana, the entire state. So, uh, right. you know, it's different. But, um, uh, you know, I just try to keep my nose to the grind and uh, focus on what's important and uh and my work and my family so that gets me by so this i don't remember uh everybody in louisiana that i've ever met is such a diehard saints fan that it's obnoxious is that you too i'm not obnoxious but yes i'm a diehard saints fan (laughs) (laughs) so without michael thomas and obviously without drew Brees, what are we looking at well uh my favorite player just retired uh thomas morstead punter so well, punters are people too. I've heard that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I punted in college or high school, high school and yeah. uh, um, you know, I've always got a uh, a thing for punters. You know, it's a job everyone overlooks. Not everyone, but a lot of people. Well, it's overlook, kind of like being in, in long relief a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the uh, it's the defense there. It's I mean, right. it's, you know, not I don't want to say in baseball you're punting it away, but you know, you got to hold down the fort, That's and right. uh, you know, it's not the most glamorous job, but you know, someone's got to do it. Morstead was a holder for a while, too. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, placeholder, too. Another very unglamorous but really important job, right? Which is also what I did in high school. I was a placeholder and punter, yeah. yeah. So do you miss that sometimes? Because, I, again, not, not to be rude and not to be uh, that guy, but if you're from Louisiana, you know, what I always heard is you get born and then there's a football in your crib, right? <laughs> so uh, this is something I'm sure you aspired to do at one point, right? I mean, if you could have played football and punted for a living, would that have been step one instead of baseball? Uh, not step one. I actually did have a, a better offer for college for punting than I did baseball. So uh, mm-hmm. I had that opportunity, but I, my dad gave me baseball in the crib. So baseball was right first. On. Thank God for dad. Uh, How is LSU going to do this year? I know that wasn't your school, but uh, everybody's all up in arms about are they finally going to get back to what they were it wasn't my school but uh the football program yes i pay attention to them pretty closely but um i'm not sure i'm, I'm interested to see uh, i haven't been able to uh catch any other i'm not sure who's going to be quarterback or what's going on right with on. them but you know once the games start going on that's that's when i'm not the diehard fan that does all the research but when the game's on that's when i'm paying attention i'm cheering for them. all right last one i promised you there would be no baseball in this conversation i'm going to hold true to that are you one of those Louisianans that has to spell everything E-A-U-X at the end, or can we not go there? No, we, we don't have to do that. Uh, that's that's not me. Uh, yeah, I, I see people do it, but uh, I was I was pretty good at English, and I try not to mess up my, uh, my spellings. <laughs> and uh, gumbo guy, etouffee guy, because I'm a huge Cajun food foodie, uh, what's your go-to? Gumbo over etouffee, but jambalaya nice. is my number one. All right. What about uh, what about boudin? You like that? Yeah, boudin. Yeah, absolutely. Especially little fried boudin balls. Yeah, yeah, right on. Okay, see, I told you this would be fun and easy. Thank you, buddy. All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Right, there is the great Seth Lugo. He went to Centenary College. Their nickname is The Gentleman. That is perfect for Seth Lugo because he, he really is one as well. Our next guest did not go to college. Although you talk to him, you'd never know that. Uh, he almost went to college. We'll let the Washington State native Trevor May pick up that thread. Trev, if I have this right, because Wikipedia is a beautiful thing, uh, you did 
sign a letter of intent to play at the University of Washington, I was told. How, how close did you come to making that your 18-year-old Trevor experience? Uh, very close. Um, I actually told my dad that I wanted to go to school instead of signing, and he basically said, uh, do you want to play professional baseball? And I said, yeah. And he goes, why not start now? Um, that, that amount of money doesn't come along very often, and uh, I think that I think you should I think you should play pro. Hmm. And I said, all right, <laughs> that's pretty much how it worked. I want to ask you about how your dad and your mom uh, came to be in Kelso Longview, Washington, in the first place. Did they did their parents' parents grow up there, or how did that all happen? Yeah, so uh, um, both, I'm going to be honest, my dad's side, uh, uh, I don't know if my grandparents were the first or okay. if their parents lived. Uh, in, the, in southwest Washington was, was pretty much uh, a constant, though I know my, uh, my mom's side of the family was in uh, Castle Rock, which is just outside a really small town, um, and, and they've lived in that area for, for a few generations um, after coming over from Canada. Uh, Ontario. So um, it's we've the the Mays and the Wheatleys are the two families we lived in that that area for you know the entirety of my parents' lives and 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 beyond that. So 70, 80 years at this it's, time. It's amazing. And for people who don't know the area, I know a lot of New Yorkers don't. It's a gorgeous part of the country. Really interesting part of the country. Your school, I believe, is called the Highlanders. I mean, that's just kind of the whole vibe. Uh, Mount St. Helens blows up, and you guys get ash basically in your front yard. I mean, that's a really cool place to be, I would think. It's, it was a very good place to, to grow up. Really mild, mild weather, too. So, But unfortunately, playing baseball there is <laughs> you get about two and a half, three months worth of good weather to, to play at a high level. But um, it's... Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, 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 sometimes I played Minnesota for six, six years, and I just miss mountains and right. hills, and, and and we have plenty of lakes too. But uh, just geography is, is something that, like, when I'm down in Florida and stuff, I miss really, I miss a lot. I want to read to you something once again called from the interwebs, but I want you to weigh in on this. In its early days, according to our friend Wikipedia, Kelso obtained the nickname Little Chicago as it became famous for its large number of taverns and brothels that catered to local loggers. Um, any of that ring a bell or not really? Yeah, my dad's a history buff. That's, he loves to, bring, to, to remind me, like he never told me, uh, probably once a year that uh, we grew up as, or our town was like a, like a little western town, with one street with all taverns and brothels. and Gambling and, and fights and liquor. Gambling and fights and uh, right there on the Columbia River. So like huge shipping, a lot of people coming in, shipping uh, uh, like raw materials and uh, people that live on boats and and though they were in there too and is built around our mills which to be honest it's still a mill town uh warehousers are big are big uh, uh mill but like in fiber there's like, it's like three major mills along the river and that's pretty much where like half the population works wow so uh it's still very much an industrial area so the reason i know at least a little bit other than wikipedia about your hometown is jason schmidt is from there as well and that's for my generation you know i kind of grew up with, with watching jason schmidt ironically you and i are doing this interview in san francisco this is where he did really a lot of his good work uh, he was older than you obviously but what kind of legacy did he leave in that town and have you gotten to know him at all um i, I i've only spoken to him once and it was around the draft they had me they had him call me uh and give me a little bit of uh encouragement and, and just kind of uh cool. breakdown of the of the uh how it works and just to enjoy it which was cool and 
and I, he was, you know, the gold, the golden, ba- golden boy of baseball from Kelso. And uh, we have one other big leaguer who has a who has a World Series ring, uh, Jeff Bailey, who played for the uh, Red Sox for a little bit uh, when they won in '05. So other than that, though, we're the we're kind of the three, the three guys uh, from that area. So yes, he was definitely like the the pinnacle of baseball out of out of Southwest Washington for us. And and so. Um, you know, watching him play, especially because I was young when he was when he was doing his thing. But right. uh, um, definitely the guy we looked at, thinking that you know it could happen to you too. You mentioned Bailey, and I'm guessing you would have been a freshman or a sophomore around that time that, that he was doing his thing. By '08, you are class valedictorian. I want to hear the speech. Uh, what what, uh, what was that like? Getting up on that stage, and I would I would assume you had to at least say something intelligent, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was pretty pretty generic actually. Uh, uh, we had we had our senior class president, who was my best friend, uh, kind of stole the show there. Um, and Why, did he like drop his pants? What did he do? No, no, he he gave, he gave the final speech, the finishing speech, and so we pretty much all just kind of said a little piece, like how great it was to you know, and thanking everybody, and then he kind of stole the show with the we're all let's all move on and, and have great lives type of speech okay. after that. So that that's what I distinctly remember. He did pull out a Snickers and eat it in the middle of his <laughs> – he's a big guy and he liked to self-deprecate a lot. So, um, But, yeah, he's a that's, – that's what I remember more than anything. Just I just remember thanking my teachers mostly. All right. That, I, I will accept that. That's fine. Let's talk about – since we're talking about talking, uh, that's something obviously you do very well. You've already used the word pinnacle in this interview. You're to be lauded for that. Uh, as a Twitch streamer, it seems like your creativity, your ability to turn a phrase, all of that kind of funnels into one place. Is that what you enjoy about streaming? Absolutely. Um, I just like the freedom to, to do, to try and do creative stuff. I've always been, like, even in high school when I had the opportunity to and had time, I would do um, things like uh, uh, the class competition lip, lip syncs and hmm. and, and uh, um just like performing i like to perform and that's kind of speaks to why why i play a professional sport too i was i just like to interact with people and perform and and get pumped up and compete so uh that's twitch has just become like in the recent years a good great place to you can get can be a competitive outlet if that's what you like to do play video games competitively actually you can do anything competitively at this point you can play chess you can do whatever um on there but it just it became such a wide scope of things I wanted to do. I just it, sky was kind of the limit with all the ideas I've had and I still have, and um, ways to give insight into being a professional baseball player, but also my love of uh, music and video games and, and all my other hobbies. Because I'm I'm a big hyper fixation on a hobby guy. Like I find something and I get all the best stuff for it, and you know, and then lose interest and then move on to the next right. thing. Uh, uh, so it's it's something I, I get really passionate about things that not and not just baseball. Like sometimes you know you've done something for twenty years of your life, you find other things that get get those juices flowing, like when you were a kid. So, um, and that's the way I use it. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing for me is having people a part of the community and in there and like going along with you and actually having an impact on lives and seeing it happen in real time. Those, those things are the coolest parts, I think. You, you mentioned music, and I know your real avid interest is in electronic music, and uh, you know people might call it techno. I mean, you know, if they don't really know exactly what what it is. All I know, and it's funny because we're here listening to some country song right now that I can't quite place. Maybe you can, but I would have guessed growing up where you grew up, there was more of 
a notion, a proclivity to, to get into that and not into electronic music. So how, how did that happen? Yeah, uh, my brother is six years older than me, and he actually moved to New York City when I was 16 or 17 to pursue music. And he was really into more of the Latin style stuff. He lived in Williamsburg and Brooklyn and, and, and in a very diverse area and made lots of friends from Latin America. And, and, and they were really into the electronic scene there. He used to make hip hop music before that. And uh, the whole production, creating something from nothing, got uh, obviously piqued my interest. So I got into it when I got a little older and got a little bit of money to spend. Uh, and yeah, and like you said, Country definitely is probably the more popular stuff in Southwest Washington, or just like alternative rock. And I was all we were into punk rock and grunge came down from Seattle, sure. right? Uh, so that's you know Jimmy had all, all the music, the music influences of Seattle are, are big down there too. It's just part of being a Washingtonian. But uh, I got into it just because I, I've always liked a good like danceable music, something that, that's high energy and uh, just kind of got into that in different ways and then with the internet it doesn't matter where you're from at that point like you can get you can you can fill your ears with whatever whatever you want whenever you want now so um but i got way into that and djing was part of it and uh um producing my own music and again performing it came down to performing and wanting to be creative so back to the the streaming for a little bit if you don't mind you got the esports lab uh winston's lab you got obviously your, your passion with luminosity and uh, I, I would imagine whatever you wanted to do, you could probably find a way to go do it. But are these particular touch points, are you happy with where you've landed in that space? Or are you going to keep looking to grow and do something different? Yeah, actually, even since the, some of the stuff you named, uh, um, I, I have several other projects going and kind of took their place uh, that are new iterations. Um, and a lot of that was based around the analytics of video games and competitive gaming, which I have a unique unique you know look outlook on but uh on competition but then i think i got i found a good sweet spot in just the idea of creating content for for fun and for entertainment and and i like to also te- teach things i know because i've learned a lot of stuff over the years and so uh you know being kind of creative with creating content around being a baseball player and do, i've done a few vlogs since i've been here uh, been up this year and they've they've been well received and had, were a lot of fun to make i'm going to work on another one here at the end of this series and going to la and um i got a bunch of friends in la too that are all full-time streamers and stuff and i get to see them and um we're trying to get some fun stuff set up for them so i think that that and, and maybe doing media being a talking head in some way shape or form is going to be my future um whether that's in traditional media or a combination of stuff that i own i own my own media company uh i also own I own two media companies with a friend of mine. We do a podcast. And we have several podcasts underneath us, and and uh, and so a lot of stuff going there. And we even started a music label that's underneath one of them, uh, just to give streamers music to listen to and not get DMCA'd and, and sued. So uh, solving problems is what we're doing. But yeah, I got well, a lot of great people working with me. It, it's just so fascinating to me because, in all due respect, because you know it used to be you'd grow up and you'd read about players' hobbies, and I, I can recite them to you: hunting, fishing, golf. And I'm sure that you've done all those things and you probably enjoy at least one or two of them. But the fact that you're so willing to kind of, A, put yourself out there and B, leave yourself open to new things and new experiences. Are there things that that you're just now kind of getting a sense of maybe like electronic music was for you, say, 10 years ago, where you're starting to think, you know, I don't know much about this space yet, but I'm kind of interested. 
Yeah, I mean, now the big craze now is all cryptocurrency. We're in San Francisco. It's a great place <laughs> to talk about this. But the cryptocurrency and, and how it kind of how that works. But like the idea of NFTs and all that's my new research point right now. Just figuring out uh, how that all works and uh, things that are all sentiment based are terrifying generally for me. But uh, um, it's also really interesting because a lot of people I respect and, and I think have I've been mentored by from afar. Uh, in terms of business and, and creating stuff are all on the board. So um, it's worth looking into. But who knows, man? I, the fact that, like, I, I said this to my wife recently. I was like, the fact that I don't own a 3D printer yet is, is a miracle. Because that's I would like, have guessed the opposite, yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, uh, one of these off-seasons, we're gonna, I'm going to come home and I'm just going to, like, find little things around the house, problems around the house that I can solve with holders and just start designing them. Because uh, I love doing that stuff in high school with drafting in class and stuff That's so cool. uh who knows man but I, I think that the constant is is the entertainment side the performance side and you know it might it might be nice to perform without the pressure of having to compete against somebody in something sure. and just like be able to go out there and just commentate on it i, I think that there's going to be a it'll be a nice way for me to stay because i'm going to keep I, I like to joke around like i'm like when i'm retired i'm never going to a baseball game again. that's not true i'm going to watch baseball all the time and I'm going to stay up on it, and, and I'm going to have – it's going to be nice to have the freedom to just, like, go all out and talk about stuff. So I think that's probably where I go, um, but we'll see. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did I tell you? I mean, did I tell you or did I tell you? Fascinating guy, right? See? Some shiny stuff in the rubble of this forgettable 2021 season. Two cool dudes out of the bullpen that you now know a little better. Tonight, two games against the former Florida Marlins, current Miami Marlins. One of these teams, the Mets and the Marlins, has a 3.92 ERA. The other has a 3.93. Both these teams have exactly 606 runs scored. So something's got to give tonight. Feels like uh, 12 of those 606 runs the Mets have scored have been scored with Marcus Stroman on the mound. Dude deserves better than that, and he will pitch the opener. Losing record with an ERA of three on the button? Please. That's not fair. The only pitcher to go back-to-back full seasons with 32 or more starts and an ERA of less than three and a quarter these past two full seasons, uh, that is Marcus Stroman. Garrett Cole, Jer- uh, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander all did it back-to-back in 18 and 19. But if you're looking at 19 and 21, the last two full seasons, it is only Stroh. He should have 15 wins this year instead of nine. Overall, Met starters since the All-Star break are 7-29 with an ERA of 5.08. Jacob DeGrom, you have been missed. First game of the single admission doubleheader is at 4.10 p.m. later today. I hear music. Mets in the morning house band must be revealed. Should we? Yeah, let's come on. Let's do it. Why not? On keyboards, outfielder Andrew Brown. Slapping to base, reliever Dennis Cook. The horn section, infielder Marco Scudero. And on drums, reliever extraordinaire Latroy.
Roy Hawkins. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll have two games to recap for you tomorrow. Peace out.